Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where we decide to go into the depths of hell and talk about the killing joke. Ooh, rated our Batman, guys. One of probably the craziest and most intense storylines ever made into a comic book at the time, and now made into a animated feature film that you can watch. Um, Starring Mark Hamill. Yes. As the Joker. And yes. Kevin Conroy. As Kevin Batman. Conroy. Um, Beautiful. And Tara Strong as Batgirl, if you yes. care about that. You know, I have. It, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I turned it on, I started it, and I. they didn't go as intense and as dark as I thought they would. Thank you, Dan. I just, I, I like this, I love this movie, but I need to get that out there that it was nowhere near as dark or screwed up or as intense as I thought it would be. Yeah. They really tried to sell the rated R rating too to a lot of fans, which mm-hmm. I felt it barely even if constituted an R rating. If yeah. the one bullet through the guy's head might have been a lot of cartoon violence, but besides yeah. that, man. Well, and, and there was some language, um, which is fine. But the thing is, you know, I was expecting a more brutal... Uh, because they're like, oh, we're we're gonna follow the storyline. We're gonna this is an R rating. So I was expecting, you know, the full brutality of this story. But I can appreciate the fact that they didn't go that dark. You know, it still they, it was still there. You still felt it. Yeah, they still um, implied a lot of it, which they it's implied like, a okay, lot of it. Let your mind do it what it will. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I you mean, know, but there were things too, because it was done in the traditional animation of the original Batman animated yes. series. And so there were some scenes where I was already like, it's kind of uncomfortable seeing this, you know, something that I've treasured since I was a kid in a more adult theme. And so I think it was their responsibility to maybe pull some punches with it, but they shouldn't have advertised it as heavily uh, for, you know, it being super dark and R-rated and all this other stuff. That's what they were going to do in the first place. You know, you're right, but even with all that said, I really enjoyed it. They pulled off a fantastic movie. Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. Mark and, Hamill and Kevin Conroy bu- did an amazing job. It's and, been receiving a lot of flack, though. Uh, yeah? Lately. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the most recent uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I think it has like a 50% or something like that, which I've seen other animated DC films that I felt were less deserving of their 70 or even 80-90%. And I, I think that this film was more tailored towards 
the um, the fans of the comic. Oh yeah. If you read the comic, yes, it would be very confusing and probably not as enjoyable. But if you did read the comic, I mean, I'd give that a solid 80, 85 percent. Like they did a really good job. They did. Yeah, and that comic came out when, like, in the eighties, right? Yeah. Um. Some sort of republished recently or something like that. I don't remember. Let me look that up. I think it was the late eighties, early nineties. But let me just. Because that's how I understand too how it was taken as a lot more dark. Because back then, you know, that that would be a lot more messed up. And sadly, with the last decade of life, we've seen so much screwed up stuff. We've come desensitized to it, but it's still. Well, I don't I... know. Reading it, um, I think we were in high school, McKay, and I remember even at that point, I was like, this is a lot. I've never yeah. – I think it was right after I read um, Death of the Family, which was also really, really dark, probably a little yeah. darker than The Killing Joke. But still, I was like watching these characters go through what they did and and almost desensitizing the Joker furthermore, if that's even possible, was, was very shocking. It was a very enjoyable comic book, but it's very different – than most other Batman or even DC comics that I've ever read. It's more of a, yeah. a horror comic book than it is uh, like an action or a traditional Batman comic. Yeah, so The Killing Joke came out in March of 88. So towards the end of the 80s, early and the beginning of the 90s, it was written by Alan Moore. Um, and you know, it kind of came off the adaption, of, loosely adapt of the 1951 story arc, The Man Behind the Red Hood. So, you know, I did like how they pulled that off. You know, it's just like, I mean, they really, really, in my mind, were, they did a great job with humanizing the Joker. Yes. You know, you got to see this is just a guy trying to pay the bills. He has a wife, he has a child on the way, and he just wants to do them good. You know, they live in a crummy neighborhood, and he wants to have the house and the picket fence. And then everything just falls apart. Just one, one thing bad I, day yeah. is what he kept yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's crazy, too. And I liked it. It was kind of weird seeing him humanized because, like, even at the end, Batman, like, offers him a chance to be like, listen, like, it doesn't have to end horribly. Like, there's another way. And he considers it. And it just made me like, holy crap, Joker's really not so bad. And then, I mean, he still ends up saying no, but... At it, this point, it, the film doesn't come out until tomorrow. Um, we've got to see it in early screening in the cinema, but if you haven't read the comic or seen the movie yet, just, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of spoilers. Yeah, oh, my well, bad. I didn't yeah, know. No, I mean, no it's okay. Yet. But, well, the digital... The digital uh, you can buy the digital copy right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so that okay. is out. But, you know, that that is kind of the thing is... Yeah, and if you haven't read it by now, oh, I'm sorry, we're not really giving anything away. 88 was a <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> how long ago? <laughs> that was before I was born, actually. Jess so. um, was on the show, too, because she, she watched the film uh, having not read the comic, which is a very yeah. interesting perspective because, yeah, she was a little bit confused, but she walked away really happy with it as well. Yeah. Uh, I personally think that I mean, I don't have her perspective, but I think that you will enjoy this film a lot more if you experience the comic first, which is a very fast read. It's like maybe half an hour tops. Well, and, and if you don't have it, I mean, one cool thing is Target, for like the last two months, has had it on sale for like 12 bucks, And that's that's pretty cheap. For a buck. You can get it where for a buck? On Kindle, you can get the Kindle version for like a dollar. Nice. Oh, that's crazy. Um, one other thing that I guess I wasn't in the original comic book but was in this was 
the quote-unquote sex scene between Batgirl and Batman. And a lot of people that I've talked to that have read it are like, I just felt like that was super unnecessary, and I'm not sure why they put it in. But I felt like it made me connect to them more. Like it, like Batman would be so much more pissed off because obviously it was someone he cared about intimately. Mm-hmm. And so it would just add more fuel to the fire when Joker attacks her personally. But I don't know. What do, what, what do you think about that? Oh, I think it was a necessary move for the film because The Killing Joke as a short film would be that, a short film, like maybe between half an hour and 45 minutes. So they really needed to add some sort of back text to the characters mm-hmm. to, to fill that feature-length uh, uh, time period. So, I mean, it was weird because I didn't expect to see Batgirl so heavily featured because, I mean, we only in the comics saw Barbara Gordon, which, yes, are the same person, but you don't see her running around as Batgirl. Mm-hmm. At the time, I did like the developed chemistry between them. And again, McKay, you need to watch it again because – in our screening at the theater, there was a mess up with the seating or something, and the the, uh, the what do you call him? The guy with the tickets kept just walking. the usher. Yeah, and, and trying to figure it out, so we were distracted. But the second time around, I appreciated the uh, back text that they gave the characters a lot more. So I, I didn't love it or hate it, but I think they could have added something more to help the bridge between that storyline and then the actual killing joke uh, uh, starting point from the comic book. Yeah, well. I- it w- it was definitely I I when I started I'm like, huh? Am I really watching the Killing Joke? Because that's not how the the comic started. But then I started I started enjoying. It. I'm like, okay, they're giving us more context because we're really up to this point in an animated film put out by DC. We haven't seen Batgirl yet. We've seen Batman in many of them, so they're kind of giving us some some backstory. And you then opening line of the movie, Daniel. Uh, off the top of my head, no. She but, was talking. It was Barbara or back. Yeah, I know. She, I know she was talking. She says uh, something like, "I know this isn't a beginning as the way you expected." Yeah. Which to me, automatically, I was like, "Okay, we're about to see some stuff I haven't read yet." Yeah. Which, uh, you know, they kind of warn you at the beginning. They did. Um, and then when that scene happened between her and Batman, it's like, okay, so this is a young woman that's working with this powerful person that she's idolized. You could tell. That there was, she had some feelings, but he did. He kind of didn't, because he's like this iron wall. And then she, you know, she does what she does, and Batman's just like goes with it. I mean, I mean, it kind of gave, it made me feel like, okay, Batman is human. He does have those thoughts and feelings buried somewhere down in there, and it would make sense for a young woman like that to do something like that. So yeah. I, I think it worked out well. It, it was a shock characters more yeah yeah and that's what and I, I do need to watch it again because yeah for like the first 15 minutes there was just that guy walking back and forth and I was super distracted but like I was getting to learn who this parent Paris Franz guy is or whatever and the uncle and there was some different stuff between them and he got him killed and I'm like wait is this are they gonna work with the Joker and then they were just kind of gone and I'm like was yeah. that just like another little side story to help further the movie along or what was that about but, so yeah you know and and you know that I I do agree that that relation that connection with Barbara probably helped fuel Batman more because um, we already knew that you know Commissioner Gordon was gonna freak out like that um, the the whole the Franz the Paris Franz guy just yeah weird but at the same time makes a little bit of sense I mean 
because they're they're prepping you for the Joker that has that weird, unique, you know, attachment to Batman, and now they're setting up another character that has that weird attachment to Batgirl. So they were kind of pre- I, prepping you in a way, I guess. I think but, they were trying to also give a good point, like a reason for Batman to say, "Hey, stay away from this guy," because yeah. it was freaking him out a bit that it reminded him of the Joker's tactics. Yeah. But at the same time, they were trying to mirror the relationship Batman Joker with Barbara and Paris Franz. Yeah, and and he does know that because that's his relationship with the Joker, and he could see that, he could identify with that, and that's why he was telling her, "You need to stop." This isn't going to end well, and she just she still kind of ignored him. Um, and then in the end, we have what we have. So I did like the fact that they're bringing Oracle back, um, because that's you know that's who she becomes at the very end there when she wheels in, and that's a great character. Um, where that I think the New Fifty Two really destroyed by that ne- that event never happened, but. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it was they did a great job. You know, and Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy just nailed it out of the park. Yeah, and that's something that was really cool that I liked it. I don't know if you got on the digital copy. We went a little earlier than it started at 7, and they had Mark Hamill talking about his role, about coming back as the Joker mm-hmm. and how he was going to do it because he's played two different types of Jokers. And so the going to this level of the Joker, even a darker, more, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact word he used, but it was really cool watching Mark Hamill describe, like coming back to the as, as the Joker. It was really cool. If I yeah. remember too, he wasn't willing to do another Joker unless it was the Killing Joke storyline. Yeah, and, and now he's open to being the Joker again, which oh, yay yes. for us. Um, yes. So talk about his performance a little bit in the film. Like I felt that was probably my favorite part of the whole thing. You know, his voice is just, you know, it, it really, it's really weird. Okay, so growing up, Mark Hamill was always Luke Skywalker to me. You know, I, I've always been a big Star Wars fan, and that was Luke Skywalker was Mark Hamill. It wasn't Mark Hamill, it was Luke Skywalker. But now, you know, I hear his voice, and all I hear is the Joker. You know, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, even seeing him as the trickster now. Especially on the this new Flash uh, series, it's like he's ch- partly channeling the Joker into that character, but putting a different twist to it. Uh, but it was amazing just listening to his voice and sitting there watching this. If you put anyone else in there, I don't think the movie would have resonated with me as well. No, I agree. That was part of the whole reason I was so intrigued by the film was because I haven't seen a movie like that, especially in the cinema, um, with Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill uh, since uh, uh, Mask of Phantasm in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible. you know. And to see those two and the chemistry that they've built over decades come back for such a dark and grim story was fantastic. And Mark Hamill, as always, killed it as the Joker, watching mm-hmm. him, especially in the bonus features, uh, do his reads the energy that he puts in and, and the, the the insanity that he injects into the character is just so awing. And that is a huge, huge reason why this movie will be a landmark for me uh, up on my shelf as a Blu-ray. And I'll continue to watch it over and over because it was just fantastic, his performance. And Kevin Conroy, too. Everybody, everyone did a great job. Well, you know, and you can kind of go back 
and, you know, I, 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 I'm a DC fan, so I've watched a lot of their cartoons. So, like, Young Justice, you know, I enjoy it, but every time Batman comes on scene, you got Bruce Greenwood that does the voice for him, and it just it doesn't jive with me. It's it just it, it feels weird, you know. And then you you watch um, some of the other stuff, like the the new Justice League ones, like Justice League War and um, the other or Throne of Atlantis, and you have Jason O'Mara doing the voice. And, and I've kind of come to accept Jason O'Mara's voice. I I feel like it it, it fits. But it's still not Batman, and every time you, I hear Kevin Conroy, just it, Batman, it's just like, okay, that's my Batman. Yeah, there's I mean, something special about Kevin Conroy. Like one of my favorite uh, animated DC short or uh, films of all time will probably be The Dark Knight Returns, uh, Part One and Two. And although I loved the the voice of the older Batman, and I loved the uh, the guy who did the Joker, who does. Um, that guy from Futurama, the robot, Bender. Yeah. Uh, they, they both did an excellent job, but there's something special about hearing Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill together again. It's just, there's, it's, it's almost undescribable. Like, this is what the character is, is genuinely supposed to be. And every other rendition is good, but this is the, the honest and true version of the characters. No, I, I, I have to agree. Um, and it just, it fits perfectly. I, I don't know why it, it there's a lot of nostalgia yeah. involved like I, I'm sure that's what it is I'm sure it's it's pulling in um, from when I was younger and watching all those episodes of you know the animated series um, because it, it was it was just amazing you know that was fun and we got to see this I got to see for the first time a Joker that was chaotic and psycho and crazy because you know up to that point really the only thing I ever got to see bat or Joker wise was the old 50s TV series with Cesar Romero and he just seemed like this whimsical wisecracker and it wasn't really this dark villain you know and then we kind of saw I got to see the Jack Nicholson one and that was a little bit darker but even then it was weird it just kind of seemed like okay he kills people sort of but it didn't seem dark enough to me where because in the comics you see this really brutal character but you, up until that animated series that, that kind of gave me that darker joker i think of all storylines too the uh the killing joke really needed to have these two actors because i think the whole premise of the story is the chemistry that Batman and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, the Joker have established over so many years, and and to add to the story that much more by bringing in two or two voice actors that we've been familiar with for that long, really drove the point of the movie for me. Because it you can't have Batman without Joker, you can't have Joker without Batman. Yeah. If hear anybody else voice it, it wouldn't have been as genuine in my mind. Yeah, I don't think so. So I mean, this is one thing I'd like. So we have the Dark Knight Returns. They've they've done that. Now I know Frank Miller has gone back. He's done another miniseries, the the Dark Knight Strikes Again, and then recently they also just did the Dark Knight Three: The Master Race. I would love to see those um, animated. I mean, just because the the first one was great. I love the idea of an older Batman, an older Superman. And just the storylines they're going with, um, you know, especially 
I, I, let's see. So the the Dark Knight Strikes again has he has a different sidekick. It's not Robin. It's she's Catgirl. So I haven't uh, read this, but I Frank Miller can do no wrong. Oh no, he he can't in any way, shape, or form. Um, he does an amazing job. I want to. I they've really got a handhold on their animation. Um, yeah. which I tried watching broke don't fix it kind of formula, which I love. Yeah, and, you know, I've tried to watch some of the Marvel animated stuff, and it's just it it doesn't resonate, and it's kind of falls flat on its face. With the exception of Ultimate Spider-Man, that is funny. I enjoy that. Thank you. I was going to um, be like, um, the Spider-Man animated series is, is the greatest thing. So. The <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man is hilarious. I love it. Every time he has that wide-eyed look and you hear that freaking monkey sound, I laugh. <laughs> you know, and I, I agree with that. I think Spider-Man works because the Marvel animation feels more Disney to me. Yeah. And that doesn't work for a lot of uh, Marvel stories. But DC is stay true to their comics. I think that's the ultimate formula right there. Yeah. Stay true to the comics. Stay true to the source material. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's exciting to see this stuff. I want to see more. Um, I, I just don't know where they're going to go. I mean, there's so many great series that are out there. Um, I'd like to see some more green. I, honestly, I would love to see The Blackest Night series. That's massive. It's going to be really tough to cover, but I would love to see an animated video uh, or, or movie of that because you know, you've got undead, you've got superheroes that have been dead that are coming back to life. Um, it would be so very you, tough to, to put into a movie, yes, but it would be very cool. I mean, true, I mean, but and then you get to see all the different colors of lanterns. Um, it would probably have to be a three-movie arc, maybe. I don't know. But it would be really cool to see because, you know, that's the one thing I did love about that series is just because, you know, we've had all these dead superheroes. And that's one thing that DC has done fairly well is some of their heroes, they have killed. Of course, you know, the main ones, they don't. But, you know, we've had a de Blue Beetle has died. We have seen some S Superman die, but then they move it to a new Earth and and so on and so forth. So to see all these dead superheroes come back and now you have superheroes having to fight zombie superheroes and they still have their superpowers was just amazing. So that would be cool to see. Point too, like, to me, maybe in the future I would love to see that. But right now I feel like in cinema I, I see too much of I can't be invested in dead characters because... They never stay dead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe a little bit later when it, when we're more, like, convinced of a character's death even when, yes. But right now, I'm just kind of like, I'm sick of seeing every single character, every single villain come back for a couple of sequels because, you know, they sell tickets. Yeah. But I want to feel like, hey, when someone dies, when when you float like a leaf on the wind, it's the last time that leaf is floating. Yeah. You know... Uh, and I think they've somewhat done a good job at that. DC has, in my opinion. Because, I mean, look at the Batman movies. Um, we saw Joker die. You know, and that, for me, as a young kid, I'm like, no, he can't be dead. they got to have him for the next movie. But they killed him. And then they killed the Penguin and Catwoman. And I think DC, in the movies, realized they, they have to kill off a character. And yeah. they don't bring it back. Um... And we kind of saw that even with the Dark Knight Returns in that. 
uh, or the Dark Knight series with you know um, Christian Bell that they were killing off characters. We didn't see the Joker die because um, I know that they had plans to arc that story further than unfortunately they were able to do because of Heath Ledger. But but his story was supposed to be done. It was supposed to end, and you know, and we see we saw that time and time again. We saw we have seen superheroes die. We saw, I mean. Obviously, even in Superman, the Man of Steel, which everyone kind of still isn't fans of, we saw General Zod die. Then we saw his dead body in Batman vs Superman. So we know he's dead. There is no coming back. I mean, he was more his body was used to morph into some other weird creature, which is now dead. But that creature could come back because we know its backstory. Just like um, we saw Superman die in Batman vs Superman, and there's no way he's coming back, right? Uh, no, well, we know he's coming back, but but see, Bull crap, but, man. but there's a there's a there's a story behind it though. He's going to be resurrected by you know Stephen Wolf if they are doing the you know the Dark Superman story. It's not just a oh we're going to bring him back. It's part of the storyline, which I can accept. Can you imagine that, McKay? Like I know you haven't been a big fan of Superman for the longest time. Um, I hate Superman. As, as a, for just a second. Okay. Does that change the, the the arc of the character for you in any way? Knowing that he's gonna come back, he's gonna come back, but evil. Oh, that'd be cool. I thought you were saying there are two different ones. So it's gonna be that Superman, but evil at first anyway. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So the story arc is Steppenwolf, which is the general for Darkseid, comes to Earth, and then he resurrects Superman, and then he uses Superman to fight against the Justice League, kind of as his his you know, uh, secret weapon, I guess. And then the Justice League has to fight against him to get kind of stop the mind control or whatever and get him back on their side, and then which they do, and then, of course, then they go after them. Whoa, hey, spoilers. Um, yeah, no, that actually does sound really cool. But And again, that's just your semi-speculation slash theories of it. It's not official. Is well, that it, correct? It, it's not official, but here's here. This is why I think it is. Here, there's two reasons. One, in the Ultimate Edition, when they go in to capture Lex Luthor, you you see him talking to a creature that that dissipates, which it, from the design looks like Steppenwolf. Two, in Bruce Wayne's vision, we see a dark soup. We see you know an evil looking. Superman that's taking out oh, other yeah, people, right. and he's surrounded by the by Dark Seeds parademons and doesn't do a thing with them. So that's why I'm kind of thinking that's the route they're going, just from those two clues. Huh, yeah, that makes sense, and that's I still need to watch the extended edition because oh, I feel so much like better. that'll help a lot. Yeah, well, yeah. that? Um, yeah, I will as soon as Jared updates his uh, Voodoo account or lets me do it. Watch the old school. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that'd be cool, and that's why I think, because that's what was weird too, is it was going to be the Justice League movie part one and part two, but then they decided they're not doing that anymore, and they're going to be two separate movies. Okay. So, we'll see how... I think much better in my mind too for the character of Superman. The reason I've always hated him is just he's too OP. Like, I don't want to, to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't have to be worried about his character because he's just never going to die. And if he does, he's going to come back in some BS fashion. The mm. thought of him being a villain is much more interesting to me because I love villains that make me feel like there's no way out of it. Like, these our heroes are screwed. And then you're much more invested in the way that they overcome that sort of uh, uh, roadblock. Well, and 
Super and the more the better thing about this too is we have some sort of alien technology that's bringing him back and it creates a much more complicated story arc that we can in, that can invest to us because we've always seen the good and true Superman. Now we're seeing an evil Superman, not the stupid one that was in Superman 3 with Richard Pryor, but we're going to see an awesome evil Superman that they really have to fight against, and it's not going to be an easy fight. No. So, I mean, yeah, Wonder Woman can kind of stand up against him. Aquaman is all, is just as strong as him, so I mean, that's it's a good reason to form, you know, the the Justice League is to go after this evil Superman and really give it for all there's worth, and that I just love that idea so much more than, oh, hey, we're going against this big bad guy, and then Superman shows up to save the day at the last minute. I mean, that's like every episode of, you know, every season and episode of Dragon Ball Z. Will Goku arrive in time? Uh, <laughs> check out next time. Yeah, it's... Uh... McKay, did you finish playing um, Injustice? Yeah. And Injustice is coming out soon. Batman. Superman was just such an awesome character because... Everyone was afraid of him. Mm-hmm. That version of Superman was one of my favorites for a long time until uh, Gods and Monsters. Just because the evil side of Superman, which one, humanizes him, and two, creates such a uh, more interesting uh, antagonist in my mind, is, is the way to go with that character. And and how did he go evil? He killed the Joker. Well, it, well and, and, but, how did, but it all came down to a girl. Yep, well, it's like, no, women yeah. are the cause of all evil. Well, and the worst part, the Joker made him think that he was attacking him, and he killed Lois. I mean, Superman killed Lois. Um, and so it just that whole that whole arc that even there showed me how evil the Joker is. Um, so I did enjoy that. I'm not sold on Injustice Two. The whole weird um, body armor type thing. It, you know, it's like, what the heck are they doing here? I so, love the game. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around a, a sequel that won't disappoint. Yeah. I mean, I hope they pull it off. I, I really do. I did enjoy it. I was a little disappointed that they quit making new skins for the console game, and you get them... I mean, you can get, like, every different type of skin on the mobile game. Because um, I'd like to use some of those on my console game. Um, but I would really like to see... S- something different. I mean, I can see Batman being in armor, but why is Superman in armor? And even then, it looks really weird because they released some of the the, the skins on the mobile game, and they just they look weird. Yeah, there's no point to that in my... Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So, um, we are out of time. So, we will have to... Uh, move on to another subject uh, on Wednesday's show. So with that said, we're out of here. Second nerds. Deadpool. Hey, Dungeon Crawlers fans. It's time to really pull out the stops. So what we want to do is we want you to go like our Facebook page, like, uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, follow us on YouTube, and not only that, tell your friends about us. If there is anyone in your life or even in at your work that you think loves geek loves you know superheroes comic books gaming anything in the realm of geek tell them about our show we want to make this the number one hit show out there we want to uh let get 
the news out there. We want our numbers to swell, and we want you and everyone else to join the Geek Revolution. So tell your friends about us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and we want to hear from you. We want this the best greatest and most entertaining interactive show out there you know most podcasts are not going to be delivering what we want to deliver this next year and so far we've had a great year it's all thanks to you and we just want to keep this rolling and make things even more possible we've got some great things in the works uh coming down the pipeline with some amazing interviews and the more people we can get listening to the show liking our pages the more interest we can get and the bigger uh, more entertaining interviews we can get so please 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 help us out with this because we want to bring some amazing content to you and we can't do it without your help so with that said i'm gonna say we're out of here and catch you next time and of course join the geek revolution